Welcome to episode 38 of the Rockin' Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Wilk, and today I'm joined by... Jeff Pilson. Uh, I currently am the bass player and musical director for Foreigner, but you might know me from Dockin' or Dio or MSG or now The End Machine, Black Swan, Revolution Saints, Heavy Hitters. Oh my God, the list goes on and on and on. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I sound Very more busy. important than I am, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um so because you have so many projects and i'm sure you've you know talked about doc and could not have talked about it more you know what i mean so i just i don't want to gloss over it but i think i think you've talked about right. it but you know um so what are your what are some of your fondest memories from that time and some of your worst memories from that time well my fondest memories are just some of the amazing people we got to work with. I mean, you know, we worked with Michael Wagner, Wynn Davis, Neil Kernan, um, just so many great, 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 great people. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was really tremendous. I mean, uh, Q prime management was a great company. It was really fun to work with them. Very learning, good learning experience. Um, we just had a lot of great people involved and, and, and we had so many fun times. I mean, really it was, you know, the classic sex, drugs and rock and roll for a young kid. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Hey, listen, I had a blast. I, I had a wonderful time. Um, the bad memories were just the fact that we just couldn't get past our egos. You know, the egos just killed the band. And yeah. that to me, that's just, it, it still upsets me because could have been a really it, we could have had a long-term career that could have really we could have we could have made more out of the band than we did and i think the egos and the just lack of being able to get that together kind of killed it yeah definitely and i mean that i think that goes for a lot of bands you sure. know especially especially from that time period because you know the 80s was all about everything being flashy you know and I think yeah. I think that brought brought on a lot of ego for you well, know. Well, yeah, a lot of a lot of people with ego were attracted to that kind of thing. So right. that's probably true. Yeah, listen, it's it's common with all bands, <laughs> actually, in all eras. It's not just the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> we just aired our dirty laundry louder and more in public than most bands did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so. What Dawkins song got bigger than you expected? And what Dawkins song do you think should have done better than it did? Bigger than bigger than I expected? Um you know, I, I don't know if I don't know if there's anything here here's what I will tell you. I always thought it was a mistake on our underlock and key record to put out the hunter first. The reason we put out the hunter first is our management at the time, just for some reason, they fell in love with that song even before there were vocals on it. I remember Cliff being, we were at George's house and he and I were working on it and Cliff was there and he, he heard us just playing the instrumental stuff in George's garage. Yeah. And he that's great. That's, that's good. That's a great song. So, so he was kind of attached to that song from the very beginning. And I always thought, that we should have put out it's not love first because especially i mean this is you know late 85 early 86 
Um, it would have given us a big anthem. And we, you know, we did put the song out at one point, but I think it would have kicked off the album in a stronger way. Yeah. That's what was always my feeling that that song would have kind of rallied the album bigger. Put that song out. Then in my dreams, I think we would have been rocking. But anyway, yeah. uh, it's not what happened. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not love definitely performed better than The Hunter, too, which is interesting. Yeah, and it came and it and it was the third single, you know, where a lot of times uh you want the first single to really come out of the box banging. And that yeah. wasn't always Q Prime style. You know, they they did things in, in odd ways, but for and and I think it was all about credibility with them, which is great. But yeah. I I still think that in service of the of the album and the band, it would have been better to come up with It's Not Love first. Yeah. Was it <laughs> The Hunter in My Dreams and then It's Not Love? I believe so. I know I know Hunter was first and I think in my dreams was second. So Yeah. I mean it did fine, but right. I think had it come out first, it would have it would have made more noise and I just think it would have been a better setup for the record. Mm -hmm. Um so what was the time period like between uh sort of the end of Dawkin and joining Foreigner? What projects did you have between that time? And also, it was kind of a weird time for the music industry, too. Sure. Well, you know, um, I ended up um, leaving Dokken, uh after the tour we did in in uh, 2000. We did a tour in the summer of 2000. Uh, it was the Power to the People tour with Poison and Cinderella and Slaughter, I believe. Um, and... Uh, so I left after that and um, I went, you know, I basically left to, to start producing bands and was doing that for a few years. And then I ended up joining Foreigner in 2004. So it was a couple years later and it was a couple years of where actually I was I was at home in the studio producing bands, which I loved. Yeah. Um, and Foreigner called in 2004. They called me originally. They said, oh, it's just going to be weekend work. I thought, yeah. oh, that's great. They'll produce <laughs> Well, no, didn't work out that way. But <laughs> I've been very happy since, and it's turned into a great gig. And what what do I have to complain about? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so now you're the bass player and musical director for Foreigner. So, being like the musical director, how what does that kind of entail for you? And uh, did you go to college for music? I did, but I didn't graduate. So, you know, <laughs> okay. so it's a formality, but it's not something, yeah. it's not what got me, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I did study music, but, um, but no, that wasn't, that wasn't the main way I learned music. Um, yeah. I was going to say, uh, so what, what kind of prepared say? you to, to be the musical director? I mean, but... yeah, it, you know what? School helped. Of course it did. I mean, it's given me some skills, especially, because, you know, we Foreigner has done orchestral shows over the last couple of years, and I actually yeah. do actually know about that stuff. So um, it was kind of good to have that information for there. But what does it entail to be musical director? With this band, it's really easy because everybody's a great player and singer and right. everybody listens and everybody's tuned in. So I don't have to do a lot of discipline, um, but it's basically just keeping us on our toes, throwing arrangements at us. Sometimes I do, you know, arrangements of things when whenever that changes. Um, but just overall, I kind of feel like the biggest job of musical director is keeping the momentum and the excitement going. 
And I feel I've done that. I mean, I feel like the band continues to perform. And again, it's because the people are great, but, but the band performs at a high high energy level all the time. And that's my life. Yeah. So would you say musical director is kind of parallel to like band leader? Yeah. On the music side. Sure. Yeah. Um, so now Foreigner has announced the final world tour. Um, so being a member of the band since 2004, how does it feel knowing that this is the last big tour for the band? Do you think this is really the end? Is this really it? Um, well, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know we're coming to the end. It doesn't mean it's done by the end of not 2023. I mean, I think we're going to go well into 2024 for sure. Um, and I don't know, we don't have an exact end date. We have a targeted end date at the end of 24, yeah. but, but we'll see. We'll see how far that goes uh, from there. Um, but I do think it is it is basically the end. And and my feelings are are mixed, of course. I mean, yeah, of course, I'm I mean, I I'm ready to get off the road just physically. My body is yeah. I'm not a young man anymore. Traveling is is hard on the hard on the old body here um so in in many ways i'm very anxious to get off the road i hope i'm going to be able to do a lot more recording and i love recording so that would be great um but it's no but but it's funny because we did this on purpose we wanted to end while we were on a high and so but that also makes it a little bit difficult because like hey it's working great everybody's getting along the band is you know firing on all cylinders Let's call it a day. <laughs> you know? yeah. But yeah, but but that was done on purpose because we don't want to go out as a band on the way down. We just don't want to do that. The foreigner legacy doesn't deserve that. McJones doesn't deserve that. Um, so our, we are very determined to go out while we're on we're still on top. But like I say, it makes you think like, eh, too bad. <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. But again, in, in the big picture. Um, I'm ready to have a life outside the road. So that part I like. <laughs> so obviously Foreigner takes up the majority of your time now because it's, you know, a very heavily touring band. But um, mm-hmm. now that that's not going to be consuming your life after these next couple of years, what do you plan to do? You know, because obviously you've been in so many bands, like like I said, but and you like to keep busy. So how do you plan to keep busy after this? Well, I mean, I, I'm hopefully there'll be enough good producing projects that I can stay busy with that. That's that's a main thing. I'd love to write with a lot of people, you know, just yeah. get in write with as many people as I can. Um, but but like I say, produce, you know, as many projects as like I'll probably end up producing a bunch of projects, uh, I hope. Um, and uh, between producing a lot of projects, writing where I can. Um, playing, you know, I mean, hopefully people will ask me to play on this, that, and the other thing. That'd be great. Session work. I, I love doing bass session work because yeah, I've got this great studio. So, um, so uh, all that, uh, and then I'll probably do a lot of my, my yoga teaching as well. I'll probably get much yeah. more involved with that. How do you think doing yoga and I'm guessing meditation also, those two things Absolutely. go hand in, Absolutely. um, how do you think that kind of helps you? maintain the touring lifestyle because it keeps you grounded and it keeps you uh well for one thing on the physical side for the energy level yoga and meditation are so vital for me 
for for maintaining my energy and 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 my you know flexibility and all the other things you need to be an older guy on the road yeah <laughs> so it's great or on that. the road in general i mean it's, the, it's not yeah. easy for anyone certainly yeah you're right you're right right um so so there's that and then mentally um that lifestyle especially being away from home that can really weigh on you after a while so yeah. if you don't have some kind of a centering mechanism a grounding mechanism which I have with the meditation um, yeah. that it helps me to stay grounded and to stay. I think it keeps my perspective good. Uh, and, and I feel, and, and makes, makes it very, very much easier for me to tolerate being on the road. That's for sure. And yeah. just life in general. <laughs> yeah. I, and even just working in the music industry, the music industry takes a toll. <laughs> it does. Um, yeah. I'm a bass player as well. If you could. Ah. But I yeah, I'm, that, I was wondering. Okay. I'm four years in and I can already yeah. see like all of the, well, the good for you. mess that is the music industry these days. Wait, is, is that a Fender right there? I uh, no, it's that. an ESP. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Huh? Great, 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 great. Um, So back in 2020, you released an album with George Lynch um, and you guys have worked together somewhat consistently since um, the end of Dawkins. Uh, did you guys keep in touch right after the breakup and just continue the working relationship as normal, or was there a rift between you two for a while? Well, there was a there was a rift when when the whole thing happened because we had we got in a lawsuit together, so a lawsuit between us. So yeah. that's never fun. Um, but you know, the the fallout from that didn't last that long. George and I connect reconnected. So he left the band in '97, and we reconnected again in tw- in 2001, and okay. it's been solid ever since. How did you kind of rekindle that relationship or was it just natural? You know what? He just called me out of the blue because he had just been, <laughs> he had just seen, um, I think he had just seen a trailer for Rockstar. So anyways, he wanted to call me up and just talk about that. So we were just talking and we were we were friendly and he goes, you think we should write? I said, yeah, we should. <laughs> so and and what what happened was is he then moved he was he was living up in northern california at the time he he decided to move back down to southern california so as soon as he moved to southern california we started writing and working together we've been doing projects ever since oh yeah that's awesome yeah. uh and you guys most recently you guys released a christmas song together called it's a wonderful life um which is your first release with george since uh the full album in 2020 um mm-hmm. so what made you decide to do a christmas song as your new release because the label told us to. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. No, they just suggested it. They said, they said, you know, we'd really like it if you had a Christmas song because we plan on putting this out around Christmas. And, you know, we don't expect you to write one or anything, you know, if you want to do a cover. But we 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 started thinking about it. We were like, hey, I don't want to do, I don't feel like covering any Christmas song. You know, I mean, yeah. there's been a lot of great covers of Christmas songs over the years, but it would just didn't feel right. And and I remember I was thinking, you know what, George, there's never been a song called It's a Wonderful Life. And that's like this big Christmas movie. So we got to write a Christmas song called It's a Wonderful Life. So yeah. we just started messing around and we wrote it and it came out, you know, very, it came out very smooth. You know, it's one of those things where the writing just kind of happened naturally. So you always take that as a very positive sign. Yeah, definitely. So it just it just kind of flowed, and and we made our little statement, and there we go. We wrote a Christmas song, and now there's a Christmas song called "It's a Wonderful Life." <laughs> Take that, Jimmy Love Stewart. That. 
<laughs> well, there you go. And um, Donnie. <laughs> so do you have, I would imagine you have more music written with George. So what's, what's the plan for future music with him at the moment? Well, the heavy hitters record is just coming out. So we're very excited about that. And, and on that, um, now on, on the Christmas song, I happen to be singing it because we wrote it and we just did it and we just kind of, you know, yeah, we just kind of made it happen quick. Um, but the rest of the record is featuring a guy by the name of Bernard Fowler on the vo yeah. on vocals. And Bernard is an incredible singer. Uh, he's he's been a background vocalist for the Rolling Stones for like 40 years. But um, but he's just he's great. He's done and he's done like Keith Richards solo projects and Ron Woods. And he's yeah. just fabulous fabulous singer and he sings on the record so we're really excited about that you got to check out some of the, i mean we did carry on by crosby stills nash which just yeah. weird weird version of that that came yeah. out really cool and rocking we did sledgehammer by peter gabriel and and just the way he sings this stuff is just so cool anyway so we got the heavy hitters record coming we're we just finished writing the next end machine record that won't be out till um well into 2023 but okay. uh we've got the songs written and it's really strong and i'm really excited about that so a lot of good stuff with george coming up oh yeah so end machine is that you and george primarily doing the songwriting for that yes correct um so also you recently joined the supergroup revolution saints yes. um with joel hoekstra and dean castronovo um, and you guys recently released your first single uh, titled Eagle Flight, uh, and the album is coming in 2023. So being one of the two new members in the band, uh, how involved were you in the making of this album? Well, I honestly, I, I just played bass on it. I mean, it, the songs were already put together, and <clears throat> so I just played bass on it. But uh, but in the future, they're, they're opening up the door for writing, so uh, hopefully I'll get to do some writing in the future for it. Um, and... You know, when I just have to play bass on something and I'm playing with Dean and Joel, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. doesn't get better. So than it that. was actually, it was, it was less work for me than usual, but really enjoyable. Yeah. Great band. And I'm just honored to be part of it. Oh, yeah. So do you see that band doing any shows together or, uh, especially between all your busy touring schedules? You know, all these extra projects, it's so hard to do the live thing because it yeah. tends to be very expensive. It tends to take a lot of time. It ta always takes more time than people think. You know, people think, right. oh, good, you know, just, well, no, there's rehearsing. There's paying for the rehearsals. There's paying for this, that, the other thing. There's crew. There's booking yeah. the gig, booking the gigs in a way that makes sense. You know, and, um, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. So do yeah. I see us playing live? I hope so. But it has, but people have to understand it has to be under the right circumstances. It really, there, there have to be uh, circumstances that allow for you to do it. And if, if it can happen, that'd be great. Who knows? Cool. Uh, and so you're part of all these projects. So how do you kind of keep a, the drive alive, especially with how long you've been doing music? How do you keep the motivation? I just I think loving music is yeah. is really part of it. Um, I I always feel like I can learn more, do more, and you know when when something gets me off, like music does, I just I want to I want to be consumed by it. So yeah, um, 
I'm lucky in that respect. I don't, I don't get burned. I don't get tired of playing songs and, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in a lot of that. So yeah. Enjoyable. Cool. So now that we got some of the serious questions out of the way, I like to do some fun shit if you're down for that. Okay. Um, fun. So what's that? <laughs> fun. <laughs> fun. <laughs> um, I have a segment called turn it up or turn it off where I say a band and you say if it comes on the radio, you turn it up or turn it off. Okay. Beach Boys. Oh, turn it up. Motley Crue. Turn it down. Pearl Jam. Oh, turn it up. Cool, oh, cool. Um, when you were younger and you thought about what you wanted your life to look like, how similar? By does the it way, look wait, like? I, I should qualify oh, the Motley Crue thing. <laughs> there are a couple Motley Crue songs that I do really like. I really like the song "Looks the Kill," so I don't turn off. Yeah. I don't turn off everything. Just, just fair enough. <laughs> Um, so when you were younger and you thought about what you wanted your life to look like, how similar is it to what your life has become? Wow, that's a great question. See, that's a good question. Interviewer, interviewers <laughs> need to ask stuff like that more. Um, it's different, mm -hmm. but but it's funny because I even had this thought the other day. I was thinking, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a rock star on the road making records. That's what I do. I guess yeah. I did what I set out to do. So <laughs> it's different than I thought it would be. And certainly at this point in my life, I would have thought I'd be in the studio way more than on the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, nobody could have anticipated that. Um, but other than that, I guess I'm kind of doing what I intended to do. And, and I'm, and I feel very fortunate about that. That's great. And so from here, where do you want to go from here? What is, what do you, want your future to look like that well i still haven't written the most successful song of all time so you know when as long as you got that goal in, in front of you you're never done um until you write stairway to heaven or whatever but anyway um so seriously it's just it's about coming up with great stuff you know coming up with great music while i'm still here on the planet you know and yeah and just as much of it as i can that's as good a quality as i can both my my stuff and stuff with other people um, and all these bands that I'm doing. So just to come up with quality music for as long as I have the creativity to do it. Yeah, that's great. And I think like something you've done very well is it's very necessary to work well with other people in music. And clearly mm -hmm. with all the projects you've done, you're very good at that. So, uh, well, you know, I, I do love people, so <laughs> I guess that helps. Well, you got that going for you, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what would you do if you were invisible for a day? Wow. Well, I'm too old to go hang out at a woman's locker room, so that's not the, that's not going to happen anymore. Um, let's see. Invisible for a day. Oh, God, I'd love to follow some people. There's people, I won't say who, but there's people I'd love to just follow around and just okay. see what their day really does look like, you know? <laughs> Are you talking people, people in your I life or celebrities? Day. What's that? Are you talking people in your life or celebrities? I was talking people in my life, but um, celebrities would be interesting too. But, uh, and I guess they'd be get easier to get to if you're invisible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I'm more interested in following around some of the people I know and just see, do they do during the course of a day? 
<laughs> that makes sense. I mean, that that's something I think is interesting is like, you can have an interaction with someone like we're having right now, but you have no idea what their day was actually like. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And you'll never know unless you're invisible and you follow them for the day, I guess. (laughs) There you go. See if you can arrange that. (laughs) Magic. I'll make the magic happen. Good. Um, Well, cool. Is there anything else you'd like to include? No, just thank you to everybody. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I, like I say, I feel very fortunate that I get to do what I do. And, um, you know, it's things like this that promote these things. And so just thank you for being a promotional vehicle. And thank you to the people that buy the records. And and um, we're all in this together. Let's make some great music and let's go out and support great music and keep musicians making that great music. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for all the great records, all the great bass playing. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And and again, good luck on your bass playing and great questions. Great interview. Really great interview. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Rocket Interviews podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.